Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through the industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Dustin Bogle, sales expert, multi-location gym owner, and former pro wrestler. Welcome to the yeah. show, Dustin. Thank you, AJ. I'm super excited. We're going to have a lot of fun. And I think we're going to share some valuable lessons with the audience so that they can pro progress in their personal life or in their business life. That's what we're here to do, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And who better than you who have, uh, you know, who have done so many things and now you own several gyms in the U.S. You are a sales expert and, you know, multi-location gym and, and a former wrestler so you can tell us about life you can tell us about how to make our lives better and how to earn better in our lives and as 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 the topic says how to harvest more sales from your leads and so yeah. the first first question Dustin itself is that you know people business coaches everybody thinks okay people are you know continuing to talk to us but there's this conversion is not happening and you know they are always worried about sales. And you talk about, you know, fortune follow-up system. You talk about the charm sales system. So just help us understand, you know, straightway to the topic itself, how to make better sales, how to harvest more sales out of the leads that we are, one has. I love it. Thank you for, for getting uh, the audience familiar with my work. So yes, uh, you know, I come from the fitness world, but I like to say that, hey, don't immediately tune out and think that this doesn't apply to your business, because if you're always open minded, you could go look at you know airlines, you could go look at restaurants, you can look at any type of business and ask yourself, how does it apply to my business? And I actually believe the longer you're in one type of industry, the more you're going to start hearing repetitive advice is going to become an echo chamber. And to grow, you actually need to expand and look at other industries. And, and just kind of come at it from an outsider's perspective. And so one of the things that, you know, I would say to somebody, if they feel like I'm getting some leads going, you know, I'm, I'm attracting people to extend their hand and give me their contact info, but then I'm reaching out and they're not buying or they're not responding. What do I do? Why, why, why is things going this way? And my big belief around this is that trust equals transactions. All right. And so you might be going for the sale too quickly, you, you know, like, they say that, you know, if you really want to take your business from uh, surviving this year to surviving for decades, you have to put every single process through this filter. Am I being customer centric or am I being company centric? All right. And so when you want to sell, you're being company centric. You're thinking about yourself. Maybe it's going to add to your income. It's going to add to your annual revenue goal. And we got to set them right. We're driven entrepreneurs. But you got to ask yourself, put myself in the customer shoes. How would I feel if I were them? If a customer or if I send my information to a business and that day they're expecting to get a sale out of me, um, I'm probably rushing it. I'm being very company centric. I got to slow down. I need to be customer centric and I got to build some more trust. And I feel like the e easiest way to convert more of your leads you already have or new leads that you're going to get in the future is to build out a system where you are systematically building trust with every single lead that comes your way. So that is, is uh, the first step that I would give to somebody who feels like my leads aren't converting. Um, well, did you, just, did you have another question on that same topic, AJ? I'm sorry if, I, if I've skipped it. No, 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 this is perfectly all right. 
carry on. Okay. okay. So the, the then from there, now let's say, you know, I'm doing that, Dustin, I'm, I'm spending more time building trust. And, you know, to give you some examples about how you can do that. Number one, uh, first, tell your company story or you as the business owner, your story. Why did you even start the business? We tend to know a lot of, of famous CEOs and their story. We know Elon Musk and we know Jeff Bezos and we know their whole come up story. Well, if you're a local small business or even if you're you know, worldwide or global, tell people why you started the company. What's your mission? How are you here to make the world a better place? And that makes people want to carry on that, that mission and they want to support it. They want to you know, spend their money with that business. So tell them your mission. Tell them how you're here to make the world a better place. Tell them how you're here to make their life better. And that will build trust. Uh, the next thing I would say is also demonstrate your product or service and that it is, you know, quality or that it's going to help them convenience wise or that they got a great price but like have those reviews built into the the uh, onboarding of a lead put show them social proof show them what your customers are saying show them five star reviews because no one for the most part wants to be your first customer so they need to see other people are doing it and it always works better when it's a third party because the, the business will always say the business is awesome but what are other people saying about the business is what they're going to trust more so these are little things, little strategies you can implement that will build that trust quicker. But now let's get into the sale. All right. And this is where I really shine. And, you know, when I started with one gym, how did I quickly get to six gyms in six years? Well, I was a selling machine. And one of my teammates actually listened to me when I was selling a group of people into one of our six week challenges. And she said, man, Dustin, you're really good at, at selling people with, with charm. You know, you could get them to smile, you can get them to smirk, you could get them to chuckle and laugh, and it just diffuses all the tension. And immediately people just open up their wallets and purses and start buying from you. And, you know, again, I, I do believe that influence can be used in a negative way, and that's manipulation, or it could be used in a way where you're trying to help people with their make their lives better. And that's how I always chose to use it. Uh, I, you know, sell things that I ethically believe in. And one of those things is exercise programs, working with a coach, getting healthy and fit, because it ripple the ripple effect that it has on your life is tremendous. And so I use those powers of influence to sell people fitness programs. Now, I decided to say, hey, you know what? I like that, you know, saying charm. That's like a positive word to me. That's something I want to help other people that feel like they struggle with sales. Um, the first thing inside of your head, you know, kind of like I, I said earlier, like, are you being customer centric or company centric? Well, the next thing I would ask somebody to really check themselves on is listen to your verbiage when you're thinking about sales. And if most salespeople are honest, most of them are being, again, selfish because they're saying, I want to make a sale. I want to close this person. You know, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, get this person to sign up. And all these are I statements. And then if you shift it to, uh, you know, like we, we wanna help this person, um, you know, I, I wanna see how I can serve this person. And you're changing it around to being it about them. Like, let's see if there's something here that's right for them. And you're not thinking about, you know, yourself, you're thinking about maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. But at the end of the day, we're going to do what's right for the customer. Now it's very much about them. That immediately takes somebody who's impact driven and it makes them feel very comfortable about sales. Usually an impact person feels uneasy about sales because they're driven by impact. And so when they're thinking about it being for the gain of their income, it shuts down the, the right energy you want to bring to the room. So it's like change your mind from impact instead of income. And the income will follow, but chase the impact, chase that you're here to help and to impact the world, right? So the, the charm sales process 
it is an acronym. And so I'll kind of give the brief overview. Um, uh, and by the way, just, you know, if you guys want to read about it more, I'm actually going to be releasing a book in February about this, about sales. Um, so it's called reinforce your gym, but again, this can apply to any business. Um, so, uh, the first one is <clears throat> that you want to come from, it, it kind of goes with what I was just talking about. The C is asking, um, you know, like, how can I help, you know, and that's what we're trying to think about. Like, you know, first, just let's diagnose it. If we're like a doctor, what, what's the symptoms? How are you feeling? You know, like that, those are good questions to ask is feeling based questions because, People buy from emotion, not from logic. So when they say, where does it hurt? What symptoms do you have? You know, and then they are going to go and give you the medication. That's kind of what you want to have with the, you know, sales process. You want to say, you know, uh, how, you know, like wh what's going on? You know, what, what, are you trying to lose weight? You're trying to tone up. You're trying to get off medications. Um, you know, are you, you're packing on pounds. Like, is your knee hurting? Like kind of give me some, some pain, uh, you know, that I can dive into. Um, Oh, and sorry, I, I skipped one. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm on H. How can I help? C is an easy one, which is just crack a smile. And that's where, you know, that that charm comes in is like, you want to show up and smile with them. You want to get them to smile that immediately diffuses the tension in the room. And so I'll poke fun at myself. I'll poke fun at something in the gym. I'll tell them a silly story about my kids. But my first thing to make them feel comfortable is I, I need to get them to smile. I can't move forward until they smile. So that's the C, crack a smile. The H is, is how can I help? And that's where you're asking the feeling-based questions and the pain questions. The A in charm is asking for details. And so that's where you dig into it if they give you surface level answers. If they say, I wanna lose 20 pounds, and then you you know, uh, you know wanna say like, well, what's gonna, get, what's gonna change in your life if you lose those 20 pounds? Um, how long have you been carrying around those extra 20 pounds? Where do you feel it most in your body, those extra 20 pounds? So you're trying to like, laser the, the pain even more because they might feel it just kind of generally and you're trying to like go do you feel it in your knees do you feel it in your back do you feel it in your mind do you feel it in your pocket like where are you feeling these the, the results of this extra weight um how long have you been feeling that way what else have you done to try to solve this problem these are all details on the on the a of charm all right uh then from there you're gonna go to r which is reveal your solution so now this is again being impact driven solution minded well hey it sounds like you tried this you tried that you want to lose 20 pounds here's why let me tell you about what we have here and how it can help and so the thing to remember here is that you want to have at least two options right you don't want to have just one and the, and the person doesn't feel like you know uh maybe you heard them so you i like to always have like an a b solution but I, I want to have something that I think is going to be right for them. Um, so that's where the whole listening earlier on is going to be important. And so in my book, I even teach that you should have your signature offer, which is the main thing most people go into. And then you should have your transformation offer, which only maybe 10 or 15% of the clients can afford, but it's your, your highest level of service and it's your premium uh, program. So you want to have both of them and you want to have that no matter what kind of business you're in, right? So that is R, revealing your solutions, you know, an A and a B would be ideal. And then the final part in charm M is to make the sale. And you'd be surprised, AJ, how many people simply don't make a sale because they don't ask for it. They don't close it out. They don't ask in a sentence, uh, in a phrasing where you're trying to get the deal closed. They kind of let the customer finish things up. And whoever leads the conversation leads the sale. 
And so if they say something like, um, all right, so let me know if you want to get started and they let the person walk out of their office or, you know, hey, take some time and get back to me. Kiss them goodbye. They're never going to get back to you. Um, you know, you got to go in and you got to use what they call the assume sale, which is where you assume they're closing. You're just asking how they're going to pay for it. And so it's like, do you want to pay this in full or do you want to put on payment plans? And so that's, uh, you know, making the sale and then putting it in a verbiage where it's just happening. It's not, it, you know, is it happening? It is. So, you know, again, if I'm selling fitness to say, okay, do you want to get started today or is, or is Monday better? Um, do you want to get started today or tomorrow? Do you want to uh, pay in full and save 10% or do you prefer to put on a payment plan? Like that is making the sale. Like I'm taking this thing to the finish line. A lot of people do very soft closes and say, okay, let me, let, I'll let you think about it or get back to me or let me know when you're ready and you're going to lose the sale. And, and here's why it's not because you did all the other steps good. And then you, and then you, you know, finish with this, you're giving the person a back door, you know, you're giving them an opportunity to get out. And at the end of the day, the person who's sitting in front of you is by nature, a procrastinator. If somebody is overweight and healthy, they're procrastinating on deciding what to make for dinner. They're procrastinating and get to the gym. They've probably been thinking about it for six months and they're finally sitting in front of you. They're procrastinating getting, getting off the couch. They have those habits built in. So if you now have this uncomfortable decision that they're sitting in front of, that they have to do this thing they've been procrastinating on and you give them the opportunity to procrastinate on paying, you just killed the deal. So you have to know the, the psychology of the person sitting in front of you, who's your customer, right? And so you have to make that sale and close it out. And that's why, you know, that's the, the final part, but the, you know, the, the, the period there on charm is like, we have to take this thing to the finish line. So, so that would be my advice, AJ, if it were somebody's not getting people to, um, you know, convert that, that from their leads and that's, they need to build more trust. And then once trust is established, they have them sitting in front of them. They need to take them through the charm sales process and no question you'll see conversions go up. Right, Dustin. Right. I see the numbers are as high as 92% of deals in terms of using charm and you can close you have your numbers say 92% in terms of yes. successfully closing the deals. Now, the last part is the most difficult part because individuals are very different even if they are good salespeople. Is that it's that you have explained your product, but how do you finally go down to that situation when you are asking for the closing of sale or you are asking for money from the potential customer because till that time you were giving the solution you were being nice you were giving all sort all sort of uh, right solutions right advice everything else but the, the problem is that you don't want to sound salesy at the same time so how yeah. do you break make sure that your impression uh, and and because why ask this is that a lot of these lead generations they are happening online especially in today's time mm. either email marketing phone marketing and you know other stuff and in in a thing like gym maybe one to one it's happening maybe it's a trial going on for some customers and all so there you can go so how do you get to that point and what are the uh, if there are any special sentences that that you have devised, uh, is there anything which, you know, which where you are very, not very conscious of yourself and you know that you need to at least talk about 
money here because that's what you are mm. trying to do at the end of the day. Yes, I love it. These are all great questions, AJ. Uh, yes, there, there's actually a great story that I want to share about this topic. And uh, it's about a lawyer and their conviction. And so they were actually a defense attorney that was defending their client that was accused of murder. And it was at the end of the trial where they have to give their closing statements. And so this defense attorney stood up in front of all the jury and he said, ladies and gentlemen of the court, my client is not guilty. And here's why. In 60 seconds, the person they are accused of murdering is actually going to walk through that courtroom door. And then you'll see them walk through and you'll know he's not guilty. So, ladies and gentlemen, I ask you to go to the deliberation room and vote a not guilty. And so he takes his seat and that was like his Hail Mary closing statement. And the jury is shocked because they just sat through a whole trial about this person being murdered. And now they're being told they're going to come walking through the courtroom door. Like, what is going on here? So they sit patiently and they wait. 30 seconds goes by, 45 seconds. They start leaning to the end of their chair and 60 seconds on the on the nose. Nobody walks through the courtroom doors. And so they're confused. They start talking and murmuring. He said that this guy that was killed is going to come walking through the doors. What's going on? The defense attorney stands up and he says, ladies and gentlemen, the law states that if you have a shadow of a doubt, you must go for a not guilty verdict. You all looked at that door. You believed there was doubt. You thought for a moment he could still be alive. Do what's right. Go vote not guilty. They go into the deliberation room. They come out. The foreman stands up and he says, we've come to the verdict. We find the defendant guilty. And the defense attorney stands up and he says, what? You guys had doubt. I just demonstrated it. The, the law is very clear. And here's what the foreman says. He says, you're right, defense attorney. We did look. We did think for a moment. But then we turned and we looked at you and you and your client were not looking. And that's how we knew he was guilty. And so the, the lesson in that story is conviction. Too many people say what to do, but they don't live it through their actions. And so that defense attorney said something, but his actions did not follow. And people can sniff that out from a mile away. So what I would say is if somebody is having a hard time connecting through, whether it's an online sale or in person, that the number one thing you can do to crank up your sales and increase your conversions and to make your product sell like wildfire is to make sure that the people who are selling it are convicted about the product. For example, I don't play golf. I'm a really good salesperson. You put me in a golf store, I might not be on the leaderboards. I might not you know, be the highest closer because I, I know the, the tools, but I'm not, the conviction level's not there. I'm not jazzed up about golf. You put me in the gym, I'll be the number one salesperson because I believe in fitness. And so that is something you can't train into somebody and that's why so many companies recruit their customers to become frontline salespeople because they are very convicted. Their life has been changed. The product, the service, whatever has been done with, with them, they, they can now go and tell other people. And it's just natural. You don't have to train it into them. Right. So if I tell you, hey, AJ, this movie was awesome. You got to see it. You got to go to this restaurant. You got to you got to go buy these shoes. They, I love how they fit. I don't get anything out of that sale. There's no commission. I'm just trying to help you make your life better. And so those are the best sales is when somebody is just telling you about something being awesome because they honestly just want to help you and make your life better. If the salespeople that are, that are being paid are doing it like that. That's when it's lights out and you'll see sales that, you know, that you won't be able to keep up with. So, so that's a major hack right there. Right. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, Dustin means 
uh, there is a lot of things involved and you made it sound so very easy but i'm sure there is a lot of observation a lot of ground level experience a lot of sweat involved to coming oh, to yeah. this expertise i can understand it is not an easy thing and but you have seen things from you know very very close and you have done it seen it and done it but a lot of people who are in different industries uh, in terms of even sales people who uh, move from one job to another and sometimes they have to change industries you have been into, into the gym part of it so you know things about it now in terms of sales people or other industries that there's this movement how would they quickly because there are targets how can they quickly adapt to the new place and start making sales is there a trick around it what is there a particular understanding that you have derived all these years where people because you also employ a lot of people you must be doing oh, yeah. it and they must be making on your on your on, on your behalf so how do they do that second thing is along with that is that you, uh, there are you know different companies you talk about that two top three sales problems in most companies what are they so that you know people can identify themselves as well as you know the sales people can identify and not be you know uh, become a victim as soon as you start a job in, in any of these companies you know then you might lose it you may not meet the target two three things at the same time but you are the master of this whole thing uh, dustin i'm sure you'll be able to answer them answer them at your own pace yes love it love it so the, the first thing is if i were going to a company and like you know it was it was go big or go home like let's say i do go have to go work at this golf company to pay for my family's you know bills and living and uh you know a company is you know like hiring somebody maybe it's a a big horde a big group of salespeople, and they can't guarantee that they're all going to be convicted the thing that the salesperson can do or the company can build into their sales training process is number one require them to read customer reviews so even if you're not a customer of a company you can get on board if you read other people's convictions it's the same reason we go to yelp and we read other people's five-star reviews, then we right. choose to go to the restaurant. We say, oh, you guys will say it's awesome. I guess I'll go try it now. So even if I'm not a customer of a company and I'm gonna go do sales for them, I need to get bought in. And if I can go and read a hundred five-star reviews of people saying this changed my life this way, this has made me, you know, my life better. Now I will have that conviction quickly installed into me. But if I wanna really go to the next level, I need to become a customer of the company. I do need to buy their products, their services, um, you know, a lot of times companies will offer their products and services to employees at a discount or even for free. And so, uh, you know, I've seen it even again, going back to a fitness example, we tried to sell supplements uh, many years ago. And I had this brand that I was super excited about because I took it, we ate it in the house. Um, it was something I felt good about. I like the ingredients. I like everything about it. But I saw my team wasn't selling it as hard as I would. And I knew there was a lack of conviction. So to change that, number one, I shared a bunch of media from the company to get them to understand, you know, like I, that's one thing I didn't do. I didn't translate the excitement and the, and the enthusiasm to my team. So I had them watch media from the company. I had them read five-star reviews. And then the final thing is I put free bags of the protein powder and the other supplements in the team uh, office 
So everybody can taste it and say, oh, man, this is pretty good. I like this chocolate peanut butter. Man, this vanilla is good. And then what's crazy is then the supplement sales start taking off. And so I just knew the missing component is conviction. So even me, I, I say that, that guys, even me studying this stuff, I still goof up and make mistakes. And I have to check and go back and revisit my own systems and do it with my team. So again, don't beat yourself up if you're not doing this. But that that to me is the quick way to get the team convicted. But to go to like the three you know, common mistakes people make with the sales, the first one is they rush for the sale and they don't build the trust, right? And that was one that we said earlier, but it is so big, it's worth revisiting. Like really put yourself, like wipe your, your mind of all the knowledge you have about your company and go through it like a brand new customer and ask yourself, are we building trust or are we just going for the sale? Are we trying to get them with a coupon that says 20% off? Are we trying to say, you know, buy now, you know, spots are going quick. Well, everything's about you and your company running out or needing to make a sale. Nothing is customer centric. So that's that's the biggest one I would say a lot of companies suffer from. The second, if they're trying to improve their sales team and their conversions, is they're not doing role plays fast enough or often enough. And so you, you go through your initial sales training and then you say, go get them, Tiger, go make sales. But uh, how often are you going back and taking them back into the shop, you know, like realigning a car and, and kind of screening their calls and listening to their calls and giving them feedback? You got to have role play built into your ongoing training system. And there needs to be a sales manager that kind of does that. Again, if you're, depending on the size of your team, some companies, they got one or two. Well, somebody needs to you know, be their sales manager. But if you have a large one, a large sales team, you're obviously going to have a sales manager. Who's going in and doing role plays and checking the quality of their calls? So that would be the second thing is just most companies do initial training and then they get hands off and people start to, to degrade if they don't stay, uh, you know, sharpened up over, over time. So uh, that would be the next one. And then the third one, I really feel like is a game changer for a lot of companies that I don't see in enough, uh, you know, part sales departments is competitiveness, having a leaderboard. People, especially if you hire good salespeople, salespeople are competitive. A lot of them are like ex-athletes. Like they like they want to see the scoreboard. Are we winning the game? Who, who's who's on top? Who's the best in the company? And you know the thing that you want to be mindful of is um, I love from the book uh, Infinite um, Infinite Mindset uh, by Simon Sinek. Uh, he talked about um, uh, ethical fading. And so what it is is like when people can kind of make like uh, up of a reason or uh, a story behind why they're kind of starting to slide around their ethics in the, to make a business grow. And so uh, one of the things that we always want to remember when it comes to competitiveness is we want to be mindful that are people like trying to win in an effort to make a fellow team member lose. And that then it starts becoming poisonous and toxic. You don't want competitiveness to that level. It's got to be friendly competition you know, and, and you want to make sure that you're watching out for anybody that's like trying to, you know, make their team suffer for them to win. And I've seen that. And that's, again, something where if you get people too competitive or there's a huge prize, people will fudge numbers. They might try to like, you know, again, do this ethical fading where they can justify why they did it. And, uh, you know, Wells Fargo a few years ago went to this where they had associates opening up tons of fake bank accounts because they had a quota and they say, well, who's going to know? We're not hurting anybody by doing this. And then they did an investigation and tens of thousands of employees were doing this. It became common practice in the organization. And they got fined hundreds of millions of dollars for this. And so these are things where when pe people can justify, one person could justify it, then they can get a branch. And then before you know it, you got a whole region. 
and that's ethical fading. So you want to make sure you don't have that happening as a result of you adding competitiveness into your organization. So, so those are three things I would say that could really help a sales department or a company to, you know, make their sales improve. Right, Dustin. Right. And there is this fortune follow-up system. Is it part of the charm or is it different? What exactly? Because if, uh, for a layman like me, it means I would understand that this is about follow -up, following up on sales and while you are dealing with the customer. So can you tell us about the fortune follow-up system? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's one of those things that uh, you it's very common in um, business to hear that phrase, the fortunes in the follow-up. Well, what does that mean? And how do we harvest this fortune then? Because I want that fortune, right? Um, so the, the truth is that most companies do not have a hard time getting leads. They, they know how to get leads. They know how to make it rain leads. What they usually suffer in is the conversion from leads to a sale. And that is the, the follow-up. And that's where my business, you know, so uh, my company's gym reinforcements, we do lead follow-up for gym owners. And we just focus on that one area. We don't do everything. We just do that one thing because I saw what a major difference it did for my gyms. And now I do it for gym owners across the United States. But essentially, this is so critical because this is the beginning of the relationship. This is the first impression. This is what they think about you, what they judge you on what they, you know, kind of experience. Um, and it also, again, just knowing the psychology of my customer, you know, a person trying to lose fat, they tend to have low confidence. They tend to look for any little reason to, to just back out and just say, okay, maybe this isn't the right gym for me. And it could be, um, you know, uh, they took a day to get back to me and I was like ready to talk, but no one was ready. So like, that's it. I'm just going to throw in the towel. Um, and so they, they need a fast attention. They need critical attention and they need to feel comforted. And so the fortune follow-up is basically a system that any business can run, but the way that it works is you gotta do two reach outs a day for the first full week of them opting in. So if somebody sends you their information on Monday, they should be getting a text in the morning and then a call at night on Monday, and then a text in the morning and a call on Tuesday, and you rinse and repeat that over seven days, and or sorry, five days. And so I call that the five by two follow-up system. Five days, two times a day, five by two. And so that's the five by two follow-up system. Now I wrote, you know, a, a specific scripts that we use for fitness, but somebody can just take that frame and apply it to landscaping or apply it to, you know, any a restaurant, anything. And so you just want to know that why is it so aggressive? Like twice a day? Oh my gosh. But yes, because speed to lead is critical. When someone finally raises their hand and asks for your help, the speed at which you get to them is everything. And so they definitely want to hear from you same day. So we go for two reach outs that day and every day afterward in that first five days. So that is a piece of, of just the fortune follow up system. There's definitely more and more. And again, if you guys want to hear the entire system, you can go and check it out in the book. But essentially that that is how you want to go into it frame wise is that look at your follow-up is it aggressive do we check in with them once and then maybe they'll get another reach out in a week well by then they might have shopped around and found another competitor so you want to jump and pounce on them as quickly as possible and so that's what we do for gym owners and that's you know again that the biggest part of the fortune follow-up system is the five by two right right and this there's there are more details in your book reinforce the your gym yes yep that's the name of the book Right, right. And, you know, even though it's for gym owners, other businesses, other salespeople from different sectors, industries 
can utilize it. Where can they get this book? Uh, uh, it's going to be released on Amazon. Uh, from what I'm hearing from my publisher, it's going to be mid to late February 2023. So, yes. Right. Great, great. It's, I'm sure because you seem to have seen, uh, you know, seen things on the ground, understood it, the psychology part of it. And I'm sure a lot of value will be one can get from this particular book. And you also have a podcast, Just a Lunch with a Punch. What does this yeah. is this podcast all about? And you know, it's a it's a nice name. I like it. Yes, thank you. Yes. So it's funny. When I had my gyms every day around noon, I would go live and I would give a free tip to the to the public around fat loss. So that was my way of giving. If you can't afford training with me in my facility or working with my team, well, I'm gonna deliver value. So that was my way of saying, you know, join me every day at lunch for with a punch. I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna really try to go lights out with like, you know, lots of value. And so um, when I decided to start a podcast, that's originally how it started actually is in the very first episodes, fitness advice. But as I evolved over time and I got my gym systemized and I decided I'm going to go into more of the B2B sector and help other gym owners, the 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 topic shift. And now it's 100% business and, you know, definitely have people who are very broad. They're just leadership experts, sales experts, marketing experts. But my in my discussion, I channel them into how can I take your expertise and help my fellow gym owners? But again, like we talked about the book, you can listen to those episodes and it can apply to any type of you know business. Uh, you just have to be the person to take anything you hear and drive it into you know your business. And I think that goes for anything. If you're consuming content on YouTube, podcasts, books, you know, again, you see, I, I have a bunch behind me. Um, whenever we as business leaders are consuming content, that's a that's a frame of mind you should always have. How does this apply to my business? Like, don't shut off my mind because they're talking about this business. Ask how I can bring be the person that brings it into our world. And that is going to be one of the best things you can have. And I, I do that even when I'm shopping around town. I go to the grocery store. I go to the coffee shop. I go to the movie theater. I look at how I'm greeted. I look at how they, you know, transact, uh, you know, dollars, how they put upsells into their service. And I'm studying and saying, how could this apply to what I do? And so I think that's just wise, you know, with, for any business leader to have. Right, Dustin. And what's the best way to connect with you, Dustin, in terms of gym owners, other businesses, in terms of your podcast? What's the best way people can, you know, get the best out of you? Yeah. So if they are fans of podcasts, definitely go subscribe and listen to my show, Lunch with a Punch. It goes out once a week. And then I'm very active on Facebook and Instagram mainly. Those would be the two channels I would try to tell you to go check out uh, my stuff. Um, but yeah, just look up Dustin Vogel. It'll come right up. And again, I do a mixture of general business advice with fitness advice, uh, gym owner, you know, fitness advice. So um, both will be, you know, uh, good things for the audience to go and listen to and consume. Right. Right, Dustin. My last question to you is, you know, last question, but a couple of parts to it is your family immigrated from Egypt in the 60s. Mm. Then you went into pro wrestling and all. The first thing is that, you know, you seem uh, you have learned so many things. Where exactly did you learn, you know, the psychology, the all the details about the sales part? Which part of your life was that? Secondly, had, how do you feel? Have, do you feel that 
you have achieved the American dream at the moment? And where exactly, uh, when you, what do you mean by saying lead the way? I see such nice lines in the background. So, you know, does, yes. it, does it mean this is where, you know, you want to give back to the society? Is there any other goal beyond the six, beyond the six gyms that you have opened? What is it? Who is Dustin and as an individual in his own life? Love it. Thank you for those questions, AJ. Uh, yeah, I'm very grateful for my family. Um, you know, in the 60s, most people would be surprised to hear where this, this doesn't get shared a whole lot. But we all know what happened with the Jewish community in the you know World War II era. Well, what they don't know is a lot of them ran to Egypt in the 60s. The Egyptian government said, hey, um, you know, Jewish community, we need you all to leave. We don't want you here anymore. And what you can fit in one suitcase is all you can take. So my grandma, my mom's side of the family left behind everything they knew, their home, their, their stuff, everything where they could fit in a suitcase. They fled to France where my, my mom was actually born in Versailles. And then they came over on a ship and they arrived at Ellis Island, New York. And they just kept hearing about these golden sunrises and sunsets in California. And they just said, we got to figure out a way to get there. And so they drove across the country and that's where our family settled. And that's where my gyms are. And so um, essentially they, you know, made that, that very difficult decision. They went through that hardship and I'm very grateful for it because to your other question, it has allowed me to achieve the American dream. Um, I have been able to start a business. I have been able to experience freedom. Um, I have been able to provide for my family in the way that I want to, and I don't feel controlled by the government or other people. And that's what's so wonderful about our country and why I love it. And I am very grateful. We have multiple uh, team members that are, uh, you know, veterans. And so I'm very appreciative to them for defending, you know, our freedom and then, you know, supporting uh, uh, com the community and, and trying to give back as much because I know that I've been blessed. And so I definitely am very grateful for everything that I have. And, you know, again, I know that it's 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 available, but it's not going to be given to you. You do have to work for it. it, it nobody's going to be handed anything. So the way that I learned was just through good old sweat and grit and finding out what doesn't work and just never quitting. I would say is one of my gifts is that I just do not quit. I'm like a badger. I will just keep trying and trying and trying. And I know that not a lot of people are built that way, but you definitely need to have those resilience in, in business because business will take a toll on you and really stretch you. And so um, where one of the places that I learned it was funny enough in pro wrestling. So basically what happened was in high school, I had run into some friends that they were obsessed with pro wrestling and their dad was a contractor and he built them a ring in their backyard, like a legitimate 16 foot by 16 foot pro wrestling ring. And so it just got my attention. I said, this is exciting. I'm going to come in here and I'm going to train with you guys every day after school. And that's all we did. And then when we went officially pro, because we were just kind of goofing off in the backyard where we had to get trained and be performing in front of audiences, I had to basically get down to spandex in front of an audience and be this big, larger than life character. And that really pushed me out of my comfort zone. And so, you know, again, you're not good when you get started, but the more and more, you know, matches you have, the better and better you get over time. And then the same happened in sales. Then I, you know, would, would go in, I would try to sell somebody personal training because that's how I paid my bills. Pro wrestling definitely didn't pay the bills. And so I did one after another and I learned and I, read and I studied experts 
And from a combination of my own experience and then studying with mentors, you just start getting sharper and sharper over time. And so the, the way that, you know, we or the reason we chose the name Lead the Way Fitness for my gyms is, you know, our symbol is the spear. And so we want to be that spear in the community that is going to penetrate the 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 person that is going to make the most impact in the in the in the household. And that tends to be the parents, mom and dad. If we can get them healthy and fit, the ripple effect they will create will be massive. And so our mission statement is to create healthy future generations. And so we know if mom and dad are healthy, the kids get healthy, who will then create healthy grandkids. And then they're going to have their coworkers looking at them when they go into work and say, what are you doing? I see you're losing weight. You, you seem to be getting more healthy. Fit. Come on down. Join me over here at the gym. Lead the way fitness. And so this ripple effect happens because one person was affected by our systems and the way we do things in our in our company. And so that's why we chose it, because first you got to lead yourself, then you can lead others and then you have to lead always. And so we want to help lead other people to this lifestyle because we know this not only has a ripple effect on other people, but even for yourself, the ripple effect is massive. People who are healthy tend to make more money. They tend to stay married. They tend to live longer. They tend to be happier and have less depression. So this is not only a, a one individual's ripple effect, but then what they're going to spread to the others around them as they go through life. So so that's that's, you know, the whole backstory behind those things. Wonderful, wonderful. As you lead, all I can say is, as you lead the way, may God continue to show the way. Thank, Thank you, you so much indeed for joining us. I appreciate it.